This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Hi, I'm Paul Parisi. And I'm Steve Miller. Are you? No. Okay. We had a conversation a few weeks ago about Pokemon Go, which is now Pokemon Went. More like Pokemon, no, according po- po- to the critics. Po- not Pokemon, Pokemon. Okay, anyway, I wanted you to share some of your insights on to why it's wet. Why it's wet. Why it's, why it's gone, Pokemon. Well, it's going. Yeah, yeah, so there's been a lot of news. I think we have one particular article that we're citing in the show notes of just how Pokemon Go has declined sharply after the initial hype. And I think there's, it's true that there have been some issues with the game. And I'd be happy to review those in the next couple minutes here. So I mean, what do you mean, problems with the game? Because everybody loved it. It was going along well. It had huge traction. Right. So I, before I get into the issues that I think might have added to some extra traction, I'd okay. like to just, within gaming, it is very rare that a game keeps the spike that it has when it first comes out. And I think that the reason, you know, Bloomberg doesn't publish articles on, oh, um, a big game was called Skyrim, and Skyrim players are down, you know, PS PlayStation reports this. They don't say that because that's expected in most games. A lot of people buy it, a lot of people play it the first week, and then a lot of people set it on the shelves, and then it becomes a core group of players, essentially. Okay. I think the issue with Pokemon Go is that it was in such a mainstream position and made so much money so quickly that when the natural decline of the video game came around and it fell more to its core player base and all the people who were excited about it initially, it was just noticeable. From what I can tell, this happens pretty regularly with video games, and that's the rare ones that stick around and continue to grow and grow versus fall off like this. So maybe it was somewhat of an irrational expectation for it to continue at the feverish pace that it had begun. Yes, having said that, I think there are things they could do to, mm-hmm. to have kept it at a more feverish pace. I think that there's probably a sharper drop-off than they could have had okay. with all the initial hype. What, what do you think that was? I think that the article was right, and it said that they removed features from the game. It, these are the two things I think really stand out to me. It said they removed features from the game, and they didn't communicate well with the audience. Well, yeah, those are two vastly different things. But yes. so, so you go out and you buy a television, you bring it home, and now all of a sudden and you unbox it and you've got the remote and then they come to your house and take the remote away. I mean, yeah, what, what's the deal? I mean, what's why would in the world would anybody take features away? Yeah, I think that they this is not a justification for them. This is a problem that they hit is that they didn't expect the the game to be so big and uh-huh. I think that it sounds like they didn't, you know, bug test essentially for the scale that it would be used on. So they had and technical issues. Exactly, yeah. So they basically, instead of solving the issue, they removed a huge feature of the game that was used at first. Which feature was that? It was to help you track where the Pokemon were, essentially, uh-huh. to tell you how close you were. It gave you an approximate proximity, basically. Okay. And they've removed that. And that's a it's a very different thing to not have something in a game when it starts and then add it later sure. versus to give somebody something and then take it away. Well, certainly. Yeah, and that's an ex- or it's my remote control. It's gone. Yeah, that's an extremely painful thing to do. There's a scale of video game issues. There's a thing known as the day one patch now, which is uh-huh. becoming famous, infamous, famous. Well, either yeah, way, so both, both but the idea is that the the publishers save some of the troubleshooting for the last couple of weeks while the game's getting published, essentially, and then on the first day you get the game, you have this two hour download of well, here's all the things that we've patched out in the last two weeks, and that's somewhat unpopular. There are some games companies that still work hard to not do that, essentially. Right. So I think Pokemon Go has shifted past the day one patch into the day one. We can't even remediate this day one, sure. So it's it's outside the expectations in that range. 
And with, as far as communication goes, I, I guess to keep going with the illustration, it's as if the company showed up at your house without calling you and took the remote and then didn't mm -hmm. tell you why they took the remote. And communication in gaming communities is very big. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of the stigma around gamers is that, you know, a gamer is someone who sits in their basement and doesn't talk to anybody, sure. is on their own, doesn't have friends, et cetera, right. et cetera. But their gaming community has always been a very tight thing. I think it's sort of the modern version of the bowling club or the, you know, maybe sure. the card club mm -hmm. that got to there's less getting together in person, but there's a tie around a common thing. You sit together, you sit down together, you discuss strategies, you play together. These are the guys that you go and do your, I think it's called a third space oh, in yes. sociological right. terms. Mm -hmm. It's like the coffee shop kind sure. of feel. The for, virtual for, coffee shop. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a virtual third space might be a good way to put it. So there's all this communication happening already. And if there's fostered fr frustration within that community, there's an unspoken expectation that the game developers might be able to hear that and address it. Was there unspoken or was there spoken concern in those communities? Yeah, particularly when the features were removed. There was, why, when are we fixing this? Why is it not being fixed? And when you get a vague, we will be addressing this later. Oh, yeah. Or maybe, yeah, that's, that's sure to cause internet riots, essentially. Did you get a sense why they didn't say, hey guys, we're having problems and we had to take this, this feature offline for a little bit? Um, I mean, no. that, that seems like a lot better way to put it. Yeah, I would love to hear what you think about it as a, you know, as a tech guy and a businessman, but within the video game development, often this happens and no communication is established. It's, I think it's a big thing that they're missing. There are a few games that do it really well. There's a game called League of Legends, which is very big, and they actually made a huge change in the system at the beginning of this year. And at the end of this year, they reverted and said, we listened to our fans and we realized that even though we like it, we've done the wrong thing. Hmm. And that made a very, they have a, they're one of the most widely played video games and they were founded on the commitment of, we're going to listen to our players and follow through with them. Right. And I think that that might, I, I've played the game, it's fun, but I think the commitment to communicate with players might be that key bit that's missing. Steve, this is Jacob. I was wondering, uh, just listening in on this, is there an established way for gamers and developers to communicate to each other? Is that like just through message boards or is there anything that they have like an established sort of relationship? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it happens a lot through message boards on websites and related sure. social media as well, as well as press releases. As bigger games get more money, they'll do full-on... Um, almost like ESPN cast sitting down, talking with developers or interviews, professional things like that, that express direct mm. frustrations with the company. Right. The bigger the budget, the more they can do with that, essentially. Do you think, though, I mean, I would imagine the answer is yes, but I think, let me ask the question, do you think there are different levels in, I don't want to use the word factions, but of these different groups? There are people that are engaged in, in the, you know, in the forums or in the communications in the third, third what? The third space? Third space, yeah. yeah. In the third space. But Pokemon was so ubiquitous right. that many of those, am I, am I right in saying that many of the people who played Pokemon probably never had a perception of the third space? When or, they, or certainly an engagement to When they came into play, yeah. When I they came into play and, and as they continued to play. Yeah, it's quite possible, I would say. And I think that that was a lot of the the shock from the game initially, uh -huh. was the idea that, wow, I'm out getting to meet people sure. and play a game that's I've never done anything like this before. I think that some of that might be from 
non-gamers coming out. And sure. People that don't regularly game and are like, wow, there's there's community to this. There's okay. Yeah. Just one idea in terms of establishing an, a, an effective way of communicating with between developers and the gaming community is using Slack. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm I not answering up, that either. I bring it up all the time. But, no, I, but, no, but this is the third space. I understand that you're the, yeah. the Slack champion. I, I, am the, I am the Slack evangelist. I'm, but I'm just saying... I use I, I'm on a few Slack channels for other apps, and they use it as a way to communicate between beta users. Oh, sure. And, yeah. And yeah. so it might be a way of just establishing a way of like, hey, we've got this. We're looking. But at- more practically, I guess you know. <laughs> well, there's a couple of different things. Let's address these. One is that you have an expectation by the player. I don't know what their expectation is. They want to have fun. They want to do whatever the value proposition is that they perceive of the game. Right. So they go off and they download the game and they play it. It'd be interesting to see how many people became disenchanted with the game because of the feature, you know, the demoting of the features. Because you're talking about a much bigger cross-section of people than typically would be. Yes. So yeah. let's say, if compare it to League of Legends, you've got gamers playing. The Pokemon stuff was, everybody was playing. Yeah, for a time, yeah, that's true. So, so if I take away a key feature, is that going to affect the gamers? Yes. And they're going to be interested in it and involved in the third space forums, etc. The other people that have just picked it up because it's the thing to do, does that affect them? I don't know. Yeah, that'd be interesting. I feel like the average... So the the thing with Pokemon Go is it crossed over into the app world where mm-hmm. anyone right. that has a smartphone uses an app, basically. Yeah. There's probably something there for a future of gaming and business, but I'm, I'm not thinking about that right mm-hmm. now. But... The with an app, if you I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think there's a lot of basically downloading an app, opening it, getting frustrated with it, and not or like not. yeah, not even frustrated, but subconsciously okay, this isn't worth my time, right. and then you close it. And so I'm wondering if a lot of the casual players have never had the conclusion of I don't like that they removed this feature as much as oh well nothing's really changed right. or nothing's really improved to keep me here right. or you know my friends have stopped playing maybe right. the friends that got them into it got frustrated with it and they just kind of subconsciously moved on because their friends had and yeah uh, I think it would be tough to t- tie it all together with so many people but yeah it'd be interesting to segment the mar- the the adopters of Pokemon into the mainstream and to the gamers you know those two sort of groups and see how saturated they were and see how they each responded. But, you know, talking about, you know, yes, you could use Slack, which requires an investment on the person, the slacker, uh, in order to consume the Slack information. That's why I want another app on my phone to talk which about an exactly, app that I don't like. But why wouldn't they have just put a message that popped up in the, in the app that said, hey, you know, we just had to remove this because of scaling issues. I mean, a more marketing-friendly thing. Did they do that or did no, it just disappear? It's, yeah, it's, they just disappeared pretty That's much. Interesting. I mean, there was, you could read the update logs if you wanted to. And what did they say in the update log? Did uh, they say, tough, too bad for you or did they, did they appeal yeah, the, to Yeah, I think people's... it was the, the PR version of that of we've had to remove this because it didn't work. Sorry. Okay. But they, so. they didn't put it front and center, so most people probably never perceived that. Yeah, it's it's possible. It was a part of the fun of the game was sitting there and saying, "Okay, I'm you know I'm closer, I'm closer. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm on top of it. I just need to look around a little bit under this bush or wherever we are." So there was a joke about a uh, a lot of games get delayed, and uh, yes, the way that do. they present that is you know they'll say, "Well, we're excited to, to be bringing this game to you in you know 
fall of 2017. Sure. And uh, the the announcement in the spring was, we're excited to bring this game to you fall of 2016. There's no change in the tone. It's, it, you know, the, the newspapers pick it up and say, oh, well, the game's been delayed. But they just present it like, oh, you know, it's coming a little later now and you got to deal with it. So, you know, I, I see that. You know, I mean, the new Star Trek series on CBS was supposed to launch in January, and then it was pushed back to March. Really? And people are like, well, why? Yeah. And, and I think this brings into, you know, one of the things that's very key in my mind is managing people's expectations. Yeah. So if I say to you, you know, if you do this, you're going to get, you know, a free, uh, free cup of coffee. And then you do that and you don't is much worse than if I hadn't told you that you're going to get the free cup of coffee. Right. People, especially Americans, don't like to have things taken away, whether they cost them something or not. And that's a really important thing to manage in in all of these things. And I mean, we see that technically all the time. You know, Yahoo just had this problem where they inadvertently or they had an upgrade and they had to disable for some reason the ability to forward messages from your Yahoo account to a third, a second email account. Oh my gosh! So, so everyone that started with Yahoo and has moved on to Gmail. Missed so emails for that. Not only that, time. but as as Yahoo seems to go into a train wreck of a meltdown with all the security issues, people have been maybe motivated to think, "Hey, I should I should move over to some other service." Went to say, "I want to forward." Oh, I can't forward my mail. What can I do now? Yahoo stated that that was something they had done because there was a problem and it is now fixed, quote-unquote. The feature is now restored. So it's a very interesting, you know, I'm I'm not sure what the real story is there. It would be interesting to see what it was, whether it was a a way to keep people from moving on or was was it a way, really a technical problem. And if it was a real technical problem, you know, explain it to us that are technical. And I'm sure we can understand it. So I think what you're saying is, you know, it would be good to be transparent in all this stuff and and that level of transparency. Um, I am surprised at the willingness for people to deal with the transparency. In other words, even if it's bad news, they will deal with it better than it being withheld from them. Yeah. Thank you, Steve, for uh, coming on today and sharing those insights on Pokemon and how it's it's demise, uh, maybe. I mean, hopefully they'll be able to recover. Uh, Maybe they can get a little bit more buzz. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.